Here's the thing. We all know how frustrating it is to be in a highly competitive market and trying to find the right incentive that will catch the prospect or possible renewal's attention. Luckily for us, there is a company that can help us do exactly that, AIM Cruise Incentives. AIM Cruise Incentives is a turnkey marketing program that is different. AIM Cruise Certificates include a five-day, four-night luxury cruise vacation for two to the Bahamas, the Caribbean, and Mexico. There are over 175 dates and multiple ports to choose from, so booking is easy for the prospect or the resident. After you purchase your cruise certificates, you and your team have up to 12 months to issue them out to the receiver, which means you can incorporate them into other events or giveaways, while giving your prospects and residents 36 months to redeem them. They are also fully transferable, and AIM Cruise Incentives will provide you with all marketing materials needed to make your campaign a success. All of this value is starting at $139 per cruise certificate, depending on the quantity ordered, which let's be honest, is way less than what we all spend for incentives, but the value is bigger to the prospect. So if you want to increase leases and retention, AIM Cruise Incentives will help you get an edge over your comps and help you lease up faster. Visit aimcruise.com. That's A-I-M cruise.com for additional information on their products and make this lease up year different. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and I've got my co-host today, Greta Dare. How are you? Hello, hello. I am lovely. How are you? I'm doing great. I feel like we haven't seen each other in forever, though. It's been like 10,000 years. Like I'm aging, I'm old, I'm decrepit at this point. I don't even think you'll recognize me. Well, so is summer in, in student housing. It, 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 it literally changes the way everybody looks, I think. Um, <laughs> was, everybody comforts. At, at, at this point, I mean, we're talking here today on August, what is it, 21st, 22nd. And most, I think, universities in the U.S. have finished with, with move-in or, uh, you know, it's, it's happening right now. Um, other parts of the country, it's a little bit more of a September 1st affair. So they're just getting really close. kind of getting started. So, yeah. so anyway, I, I, I'm really super stoked about this interview. You recorded it some time ago and or earlier this this summer, we should say, and we've purposely have held it off because I wanted to make sure, you know, I knew that everybody would kind of be away from the podcast, um, uh, certainly in, in July and in, in, in August. So I wanted to save it towards the latter half of, uh, of the summer and specifically after after move in day, yeah, yeah. After after move in, because I think this is just such an important one, which is social media. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been excited about the entire series that you that you've done this summer, and and there's a few more of those to come. But this one, it's great because you're actually you've got a real member of Gen Z <laughs> that you're talking to. About social IRL media. in real life, yeah. You have a, a millennial and a Gen Z on the same episode. Dun dun. But more importantly, yeah, I have a Gen Zer. What? Yeah, and it's not even that. Um, you know, it's not even that he's a Gen Z, which makes him some kind of some kind of authority. He is actually someone that that is an authority on on social media. I mean, this is 
do not take this this uh, this guy lightly at all. No, about he's said, like I just the, about said kid. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Uh, it's funny because I always reference him when I'm talking about him, which everybody's pretty much used to me talking about him because at this point I just kind of consider him family. Like he's a long lost cousin, and we laugh about that. But I always reference him as my Doogie Hauser, and it's because that's kind of the way that I view him. He has the kid sold. I will call him kid. I don't care. But he sold his first business when he was still, you know, like a sophomore in high school. It's he's he is up and coming. He is incredible. He's so smart and so well-spoken. And I just, I can't say enough great things about him. And, but at the same time, like you said, he comes from the perspective of a generation that we are now, you know, attempting to reach where the majority of those students that we need to learn, we need to understand. And it's, those are the kids that we're after now. And, you know, millennials are moving out. We're all getting older, you know, hashtag elder millennial. And this is, this is the up and coming. And this is what we need to focus on. Absolutely. And I, you know, I really wanted to title this, uh, what Gen Z wishes millennials understood about social media. (laughs) Um, Because, uh, you know, part of, you know, looking at at social media and just kind of all things internet right now, uh, there's been a very heavy uh, Gen X hold that was on it. Even, even baby boomer, uh, as you and I've discussed previously, but that that's not an excuse anymore. There's a lot of millennials that are, I mean, the millennials dominate this, this workforce in, in the student housing industry right now, especially on the, on the marketing side. And I'm seeing a lot of millennials that are creating this content, creating or managing these, these social media channels for properties and companies that you're not doing it well. And I think this is a, is a real one to, to sit back and say, okay, we got to get focused on what, on, on what this generation is really focused on. I think that, I mean, and we talked about this earlier that, you know, I think that it is, it's, it's, I I wouldn't call it generation specific. It's all millennials, Gen X and baby boomers are a part of the marketing team or make up the marketing teams at this point. And really, I think that my nerves kind of go on fire when anybody directs anything at millennials and anything we're doing wrong, because as far as the world is concerned lately, it's like we lit the world on fire. But all that aside, um, I feel like a lot of the people who are in marketing and overseeing these social media accounts know better and but for some reason we're not taking our knowledge of Instagram and we're not applying it to our properties and that's really what it comes down to I think that you're right when you say that you know we're taking an old mentality because what we're doing is we took what used to get posted on Facebook or in a lot of cases still gets posted on Facebook and what worked for a Facebook business page and we were applying that to Instagram and we were talking about a different medium we are talking about a different expectation and we're not necessarily adhering to those expectations. And then we're wondering why it isn't succeeding. I, you know, I told you, I literally had a client contact me wanting to know about, you know, a a property's Instagram account and wanting to know what they could be differently or something new that they could be trying. And my feedback was, you have to stop selling. You were getting the same six people that double tap your photos every single time. I know because I'm one of them and it's happening over and over again, because every single post that you have is not Instagram worthy first off, but second off, all you're doing is trying to sell the property to them. We glaze over and coast past that. And I can't stress it enough. 
Well, hey, we'll, we'll get into some of that after the interview uh, of, of giving some takeaways. And because I know this is a passionate subject for you, but if I don't stop you now, it, it, it will never stop. Um, I feel like so, we say that on every episode, by the way. I just want to point that out. You're like, well, I know you're really passionate about like this is <laughs> I feel like there's one like one the adjective that constantly gets used. You're like, oh, Greta's it's a very passionate person. Like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got some very big student housing insight news that we need to share with we everybody. We do. Um, I, I, I do you want a drum roll? I feel like I kind of want to give you a drum roll. Yep, just happened. That that was a that was an interesting drum roll. <laughs> there wasn't a real drum. I don't know if you knew that or not. I don't actually have a drum set over here, but you know, still, when, it was done. when you don't <laughs> see it and you just yeah, when you don't see it and you just hear it, it's it's <laughs> it's a little bit different. But no, so um, I, I mentioned this on one of the previous podcasts, the one I did with Lincoln Ogata about turn is SHI is expanding into being able to do conferences um, or providing conferences. So yeah, super excited about that. I've got another podcast that is just a micro podcast that I'm releasing with this one that will give you a little bit more detail. Um, So go check that out. Make sure that you go to the website and click on upcoming conferences and, and you'll get all the information. But it's exciting. We are going to be, yeah, we're going to be offering. Uh, I've partnered with Axiometrics and and Grace Hill um, to to put together conferences that site level employees can and should and better go to because it's it's all about them. So these are, are regional conferences. We're calling them summits. Uh, it's, it's a simple one day thing that's going to be very laid back and chill. It will have some other type of activity related to it. I'm not going to get into all that right now, but. What you need to know is if you're in, if you're a site manager or you have uh, maybe even own assets within North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Northern Georgia. So we're really including Athens in that as well as Eastern, Eastern Tennessee. So Chattanooga, Knoxville, and then Southwest Virginia. Um, so Blacksburg, Radford, Lynchburg. Any, anything that's really kind of a four-hour drive from Charlotte is who we, we are gearing this for. So if you're in a student housing market within those within those areas, make sure that you go and, and, and attend this. So make sure that you go to the website, uh, studenthousinginsight.com, and then click on, again, on the upcoming conferences to get more information on that. This first one will be at the U.S. National Whitewater Center in Charlotte. And looking forward to just a great time. So exciting! I am excited. We had a we had a phone call about it yesterday with um, uh, everybody involved in putting it on, and it's yeah, it's really cool. All right, so more on that later. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the interview, and we can come back with some takeaways afterwards. Absolutely. Also very important to stay tuned towards the very end because we have a very exciting, super special, lots of big stuff, news coming at the end. So stay all the way till the tape runs out. It's not a tape. (laughs) All right, let's push play. Hello. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Student Housing Insight. I am your host today, Greta Dare, and with me, I have Michael Newton, who is currently in the process of launching a brand new startup company here in the student housing industry. It is called Swarm, and it is a student social media influencer company. It's very exciting. Swarm helps brands partner with the most influential students on campus all across the country to carry out massive student influencer marketing campaigns. Their influencers have concentrated and engaged audiences that allow clients to effectively reach the college student demographic. So as you can imagine, this is a really big deal to our industry. It's a really great development. I'm very excited about it. Michael and I have spent an enormous amount of time talking about social media, and so I'm excited to jump into this stuff today. We're going to be going over why social media matters, seems obvious, isn't always, what social media matters, so what platforms to be utilizing and why, and how to save money with social media. Very exciting stuff. So without further ado, let's go ahead and just jump right in. Michael. (laughs) Hey, Greta. Thanks for having me. So uh, (laughs) just a quick background on me and the company that I own right now. Um, So I started school at UT Knoxville the fall of 2017. And right after I got there, I started noticing this massive inefficiency in the way brands were trying to advertise to college students. Uh, the, the methods that were being utilized were so outdated, ineffective, ingenuine, and were being completely ignored by the vast majority of students. Now, I know that... Harsh time. The, yeah, right? Um, and I know that that these, these advertising campaigns that were being run on, on campus were definitely not cheap. So I knew that there was a lot of money being wasted there. And I, I wanted to figure out a better way to help uh, brands essentially reach students in a more genuine way. So I founded a company called Volfluence. And the concept was to recruit the most influential students on campus, those who have the most students that follow them, and bring them into our company, and then have them share our clients' brands with their their audiences through word of mouth style advertisements, and the, the the end result being that our network of these influential students would be able to place an advertisement in front of the all the students, the entire student body. And Volfluence served uh, restaurants, clothing stores, local businesses for a few months, and then I had the opportunity to talk to Greta, um, who (laughs) I was reaching out to about a property that was there. But little did I know that there was much more of a demand in student (laughs) housing for this than, say, like a pizza restaurant, for example. So after after I met Greta, um, we got to talking and we had a lot of conversations about social media and, you know, how it was being utilized with student housing, the other marketing methods that were being utilized by the same property that she was working with. And we, we sort of came to the conclusion that this service has a lot of value for student housing clients. So we started talking a lot more, has led us to where we are today and uh, led to the conception of Swarm, which is essentially a an advanced version of what Volfluence was that caters specifically to the needs of student housing, student housing properties. 
Yay, and a very exciting one at that. So we will get into a little bit more of that closer to the end. Uh, but if you haven't heard about it yet, it's incredible. We'll get there. We'll talk more. But in the meantime, so jumping right in, one of the things that really you and I were talking about earlier and I feel like is so, so crucial to cover is the genuine engagement on social media. And that was kind of one of the things that you had originally talked about was your issue with the existing social media accounts of these clients or even the properties, honestly, because I think we can all be honest right now. We're kind of, we're not seeing genuine content. We're not seeing genuine engagement on social media. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's really, it's frustrating. It's, you take a look at these accounts and I feel like you see the same exact thing again, let's be honest, every single property across this country, every single, and you and I follow the same properties in Knoxville. And we talk about this all the time that we scroll through and we have to follow them. I have a client there. Obviously you have me as a client there and, you know, we're looking through these and you just see the same thing over and over again. You see, you know, find us on campus for the swag, see the stuff that we're giving away. And here's 30 reminders of the special that we're currently running. And, you know, this is the floor plan, come lease it up. This is, and that's all you're doing is selling, selling, selling. There is nothing there that is, is that is keeping me engaged that is getting me interested and it just it doesn't make any sense right yeah i think that the the issue is just a lack of understanding about what the audience is actually there for you know why are these students actually on social media to begin with and then once you understand why they're on social media you can then start to cater your content and cater your strategy to appealing to them based off of the state of mind that they're in when they're viewing your content. So if your whole strategy is sell, 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 and all you're posting about is your newest special, your, you know, you're giving away food in the library or whatever it is, nobody really cares about that because the reason that the students are on social media to begin with is that they're there to be entertained. They're there to consume content that will bring them some sort of value, whether it be educational or it be entertaining. So, if, if all you're doing is trying to sell to somebody who is not there to be sold to, then there's not going to be any engagement, which is I think I think that that is the core issue with the majority of the, the properties that you and I are referring to. Absolutely. That's, you know, we we talked about the fact that it's really starting to look generic because look, here's the reality. So five years ago, I got into student housing. I was a specialist. And at that time, every single market that I was, you know, I did really, really well as a specialist. It was go to these, you know, terrible or these markets that are doing really, really poorly and bring it back up. And I go and I did my market analysis and I just plastered the town. I painted the town with the products. And in some cases, we still want to do that. However, doing it in the exact same way that every single person is doing, it has now become generic because everybody is doing that. Again, let me repeat, everyone is doing what you are doing now. Everybody's showing up on campus with snacks. Everybody's giving away swag. Everybody has koozies. Everybody has sunglasses. Everybody has snacks. Everybody has free food Friday, Thirsty Thursday, Taco Tuesday. Everybody has all of that stuff and we need to see a shift. What worked, and this has been a common theme this whole entire time, what worked five years ago, it's not working anymore. We're talking about a different generation. And this is what's so great about it. I'm a millennial, you're a Gen Z. And even this isn't something that I'm necessarily interested in. This is something that I recognize doesn't work. And I'm not even a part of your generation, the one that we're chasing after. You know, we talk about the fact that this generation sees 
through your bullshit. They see through it. It is just that simple. They see through your sales tactics. They recognize it. We've grown up with these advertisements. We hit skip on YouTube every single time. We, you know, we skim past the Google ads up at the top. We pass over all of the advertisements on Reddit, on Instagram, on Twitter. You can see them. You know what they look like. They skim past them. Tell me I'm wrong. Do you pay attention to them? Do you click on these things? No, I, I can't disagree with that. <laughs> so this is my whole point. We have this one way of doing this and it isn't working and it feels like a giant waste of money and I don't want us to do it anymore. I want us to get so creative. I want us to be interesting. I want us to have a company that their property management social media pages are the new Wendy's. And maybe, I mean, it's not going to be on that grand scale. It may not get reposted on College Humor. Maybe we'll get lucky and it does, but I want to see it. I want to see somebody doing or providing content that reaches that level. And here, let's, I mean, shit, let's talk about Wendy's. Why, Michael, why is Wendy's successful? Or why is any, any of these influencers that are not even influencers, these companies that we're seeing on Twitter and Instagram or these social media accounts, why are they doing well? Why are they interesting? And why do we follow them? Yeah. So, I mean, if you pay attention to like any of the Twitter accounts for, um, you know, I mean, I think Wendy's is doing it really well. McDonald's is not doing it so well. Uh, <laughs> what's the Burger King is the other one that is that is really killing it with with this strategy. I feel like and they just the recently re- got better too. It was like they took a cue from Wendy's yeah, and they were yeah. like, we have to do this differently. Yeah. Yeah, I think Wendy's was really the pioneer for like actually adopting a Gen Z strategy on Twitter were, because uh, sure. Twitter Twitter is is almost entirely a Gen Z audience, or that's essentially who they're trying to reach when they're on Twitter. So um, for them, the reason that they've been so successful and I, well, I think before we should talk about that, we should talk about what actually defines success on social media. So is success conversions? Is it impressions? Like, or what exactly is it? But I think that success nowadays with, with social media in, in targeting Gen Z is acceptance and is influence. I don't think it necessarily is just impressions because impressions are entirely meaningless if there's no actual substance behind it if there's no engagement yeah 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 exactly like if if they don't actually want to talk about it after they see what your content what content you're posting then or reshare it it, because it was that funny or that interesting or it's that good i mean can any of it can anybody on here how many things or how many items of any of our properties have been reshared because they were just so cool that somebody was just like oh my god like i need to have this you know i need to copy this link and i need to repost it on instagram or i need to retweet this tweet like no the only reason why i think they're going to do that is because we're like oh we're giving away a thousand dollar gift card maybe it'll get the attention that way but not because the content was so interesting that i want it on my page too because i'm going to get a ton of likes on it or a ton of retweets you know what i mean Yeah, exactly. And like the reason Wendy's has done so well is they just stopped what they were doing and they took a look at, okay, what is Gen Z actually doing on this platform? And then where do we fit in on that? How do we actually become another member of this community on this platform? And then in turn, they found a content strategy that allowed them to connect with this audience because this audience was acting a specific way on that platform. It wasn't necessarily that they just had a brilliant advertising campaign because that's not really what it was. It was personal and it was genuine. And so the reason that it was successful was because it wasn't an advertising campaign to begin with. It, it, the intention of their presence on Twitter was not to sell hamburgers and french fries. It was just to become a member of that community and become a member of that generation. I think that, that that's the difference. Yeah, they stopped selling and started actually providing value. 
And they kind of just started roasting people. And I'm not recommending that we roast anybody, but I am saying we do have to stop selling. I think that this is, that's the biggest thing is that you go through Wendy's tweets and, you know, we're talking about Wendy's. There's a lot of companies that are doing this and they're doing it phenomenally well. Obviously, Wendy's, everybody knows about it. So I think it makes sense to bring it up, but they're not getting on there and being like, hey, our Frosties are so delicious. You should get one. Have you tried them dipping them in fries? Let's not, you know, forget about our new product, this amazing new burger that's coming out and blah, blah, blah. It's no, it's a give and take situation. They are consistently, they are, they are a, they're a brand that you want to follow because it's interesting and it's funny and their stuff gets reposted all the time. It gets, you know, you're going through, I don't want to say this because I'm calling myself out on one of the medias that I consume. They're getting reposted on Buzzfeed and, you know, like just these different Mm. things like that, because shut up. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really easy, mindless way to look at stuff when I have read all of the Reddits. All right. Shut up. So I'm just like ridiculously embarrassed. So, but they do, they end up on there, they end up on college humor. And I'm not saying that we roast, I'm saying that we stop selling. And I, you know, it's funny because I had this conversation. It was a very passionate, fiery conversation a year ago. And two years ago, I had the exact same argument with the exact same person. And I am not going to say who that was. And it was about the fact that people, nobody from these generations, these two that are coming up, they don't want to be sold to anymore. Stop selling to them. Stop giving them t-shirts with your logo on the front. Stop handing this stuff out. Stop doing it the way that you're doing it because everybody sees through this. So stop selling on your social media. I think that's the biggest thing. And one of the things, so we talked about social media that we follow. So I said, so I follow Betch Media. So they have shop Betches and they have mouthy merch. And both of those I follow. And it's not because I'm like, oh, I love the shirts they have on here, all of the swag, because it has, you know, funny stuff that's, you know, imprinted on it, like cute crop tops or whatever. I follow it because the rest of the content that they have on there is friggin' hilarious. And so when I scroll through my Instagram feed, I want it to be a visual representation of essentially my Reddit homepage. And, you know, so I want, I will follow these, these companies, these brands that are also going to sell to me maybe every 15 to 30 posts. But the rest of the time, when I go through my feed, they're going to have something on there that I think is funny or relatable. And I'm going to, you know, double tap it because of that. Do you, so I didn't even ask you this earlier. Do you have any that you follow where they actually sell stuff that you follow them anyway, because it's just good? Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, you know, one of my favorite, su- my favorite supplement companies is called First Form. And I, love their product first of all and that's the reason that i follow them but the majority of the content that they put out is informational it's about how to use their product how to actually you know get get results from their product etc but yeah i mean there's and there's tons of tons of brands that are doing this incredibly well where instead of just selling they're providing you value and in turn creating demand for the product that they sell I think that I, I want to touch on this real quick because it's something you mentioned, but I think to somebody who is accustomed to the old methods of media and, and actually how, how to advertise through media, which is was traditionally just sell, 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 sell. Um, I think that to, to individuals who have operated in that space that, you know, when we when we say stop selling to them, that sounds counterintuitive. Well, why am I why would I even do it if I'm not going to sell on there? I think the thing that needs to be understood there is that my generation, Gen Z, which is who we're talking about here, loves to buy. We love to buy, but we hate being sold to. And the difference there is we love to buy things that we know and trust and already like that are in our circle of 
of media that our friends that our friends consume, our friends talk about that that are in our sort of little world that we live in. Well, and, and so, they've said the exact same thing about millennials. So this isn't necessarily yeah. new. It's this is information that we've had. Continue. Right. Yeah. So I think what that actually means when we're saying stop selling is instead of actually just pushing out advertisements over advertisements over advertisements, the focus needs to be on how do we connect with these people on a genuine personal level without the intention of selling to them, but instead with the intention of becoming a part of their world, a, yes. a part of their, their media that they consume. That was just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the key. I think that's the missing link there. I think it is. And I really, I was just thinking about this too. I want to make it clear. Here's the thing. When I first made the switch over to student housing from conventional housing, what I loved most about student housing was that it was so cutting edge, you know, and it was from the marketing where we had a lot more marketing money. We had a lot more avenues that we could market down, but it wasn't just that. And everybody, everybody listening knows this. It was about the culture in each one of these corporate offices. It's about me going to an office in Chicago and a CEO walking in in these tattered khakis and a ripped t-shirt and being super chill and me being awestruck by him. It was, you know, being in Austin, Texas and seeing an office that was filled with people who were just chill and wear whatever they wanted to. And that's who we are. We talk about that, how we're like, oh, we're, you know, we serve students, so we don't take things too seriously. We're here to have fun. It's, you know, we want to get things done. We want to be successful, but we're catering to students. And so we keep that vibe that we get from the college and we wrap it up into our corporate offices, which is beautiful. It was the thing that sucked me in. It was the thing that made me love being a part of this industry. I think, and then at that time, you know, we were a part of all of social media. Conventional was, they were, people were still fighting to get them on Facebook, but here, and everybody had an Instagram account and, you know, we were going on a Yik Yak and Vine and all of this stuff, but we're at this point now where we're not cutting edge anymore. We are not on the brink of greatness as far as our social media and some of our marketing is concerned. It has become kind of same. And I think that that's what I want to see come out of this. It's not me saying, listen to me, I'm so smart. I'm never saying that. But what I'm saying is, is that us as an industry, we are supposed to be the young and the fresh and the cool ones. And <laughs> I don't feel like we're expressing that on social media. I don't feel like we get it. And I don't feel like we're using it. I think that we're afraid to use it for what we can. And what we're doing instead is selling because we're afraid that a prospect will pass us up if we don't have our specials listed on there 15 times a day. And I think that we're wrong and I think we need to stop doing it. Right. I mean, that's basically yeah. what I'm saying right now. That's everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, you know, definitely one thing I, I want to quickly cover is the idea that owning real estate on a social media platform and in, in having an account is not enough. That's not that's not a strategy. I think I'm that so glad too, you said that. That's so perfectly put. I, th I think too often that I'm seeing these properties are. They, they are thinking, and from what it looks like to me anyways, is that their, their entire strategy is, okay, well, as long as we have a presence on all the, the relevant platforms, we're doing good. Having a presence without having meaningful, genuine, relatable content that actually engages an audience of students is just as bad as not having, not having an account at all. You might as well not even be on there. So I feel like from what I'm seeing is, you know, I, I just think that so much of, of these, these properties – 
branding strategies is just like having an account with no followers and it's well, just strictly advertisements. Followers, but they're still doing the exact same thing where it's just strictly advertisements. Well, I, I don't think those followers are engaged, though. And that's the. No, the, for sure they're not. I just yeah. want to clarify. There's some accounts out yeah. there doing pretty well. <laughs> are you yeah, absolutely. So it's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody is. I don't know. Maybe somebody tell me. Anyway, so no, I think that that's honestly, I, I want to reiterate because that was the most beautiful way of saying it. It's it's not about having the real estate on social media. It's not about just gaining a certain number of followers and, you know, sitting back <laughs> and being like, all right, we're awesome. Look what we did. We have a Twitter account. We have a Snapchat account. We have a YouTube account. We have a Facebook account and we have an Instagram account. We're posting three times a day, five times a week, seven times a week. We've got them all scheduled out. Now we've got all of this and we're doing well. Social media checked off. Glorious. No, it's not good enough. And so I think it is like, that is, that is the whole point here. And but also, and I don't, you know, I don't want this to be like, oh, we preached about this whole subject this whole entire time and there was no takeaway. So I want, you know, obviously we're not even done, but I do want to kind of touch on when we say engaging content, we keep reiterating that. And if you're on the other end of it and you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? To me, that depends on what your product is and what your market is. So if you switch back to the episodes that I just did about market analysis and understanding your market and who your demographic is, what your niche in that market is. So stop and think about the type of residents that you have at your property and who their guests are and who shows up. Who are these people? Who is your demographic that you're trying to chase after? What does their lifestyle look like? Do you cater to the law students? Do you cater to the business students? Do you cater to the Greek students? Are you you know cottages and you have more party students? Do you have more studious students? Is it undergrad undergrads? Is it upperclassmen? You need to figure that out. And obviously, like I said in the last episode, you need to be able to go after those people properly. And that includes your social media. So once you know that about your market, now you can take your social media content and you can break it down and you can say, okay, if the majority of these are law students and I want to continue to engage with not only my residents, but their friends and the additional students and the ones that are incoming, then I need to focus my content about things that's inter- or that are interesting to these people, things that are interesting to my niche. So if it is the Greek students, then make it about the Greeks. If it's about, if you have majority of law students, stop making it about the Greeks. And, you know, if it's very studious students, or if you just kind of have a mix of everybody, because I, I meant to actually say that in the last episode, some of you do, then just keep it interesting have in, in or information that the university is talking about share their events talk about their events talk about you know their upcoming conferences whatever it may be in spring break whatever but then mix in there funny stuff repost college humor information and different posts like that put some memes on your page for the love of god like it kills me make it make it interesting make it funny make it include articles that people want to link to music videos artists whatever it is but make that it and then remember at least no no closer than every 15 posts then you can put in something. It's just, and again, in my opinion, so obviously, Michael, in your opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe every 12 to 15, every 20, however many, then you can put something in about whatever it is you're currently doing. And people won't glaze past out of habit your social media account. Agree or disagree with anything I said? I absolutely agree with that. I think that- That's my favorite answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that in order to- to have the most success in actually engaging your niche of your niche of students as an audience is to take the strategy away. I think that actually not having a strategy is the best strategy when trying to reach these kids because I, I mean, Gen Z 
recognizes when there is a strategy and they see straight through it. So they, that they know, and they will come to understand that if you are every four posts, you're advertising, then they'll stop following your page because they don't want to see your, your advertisement every four posts. I think well, and that even if they don't stop following it, because I know that there are some people out there that are going, Oh, well, I have all of these followers. I get that, but that doesn't mean that they're paying attention. They're treating you like an ad and they're glazing mm-hmm. past. Right. Yeah. I think, I think the main thing is just to take the selling out of the social media. I think that's all it is because it's just that it's social media. It should be social. You're supposed to be interacting with these students, giving them things that. Take those two words, combine them together. None of those are selling. (laughs) Exactly. All right. I feel like we've, we've killed and beat, we've beaten, killed and turned this horse into glue. So um, with that, I do want to talk about the, you have a study in front of you. Do you still have it in front of you? I do. Okay, beautiful. So talk to me about what it is. Tell everybody what it is that you're looking at, because this was this is a really big one to me. Don't worry, this won't be that much longer. But talk to me about what it is that you're looking at and what your thoughts are. Yeah, this study I'm looking at right now has the top social media platforms listed by popularity among Gen Z. So number one is YouTube. Number two is Instagram. Number three is Snapchat. And number four is Facebook. Now, what most people look at this is, okay, well, number one is YouTube. That means that most of our focus should be on YouTube, but that's not at all the case. This is a big thing that people need to understand when they're trying to reach a Gen Z audience is that Gen Z is very different from, from traditional or older individuals, millennials and those that are older than them. In that so I'm totally going to stop you for one second and clarify, because we also have, so Gen Z, we're going to be looking at more freshmen, softers going or sophomores going into juniors. And then we do still have the opposite end of millennials that are going to be our seniors and grad students, and then just some older generation students. So it's, right. we're talking about this and when Michael's saying Gen Z, it's really the, the top end of Gen Z, lower end of millennials. So it, just in case anybody is secretly out there yelling, they're not the only ones in college because I can hear it in my head. That's really what we're referring to when we're talking about this market base. It's the lower end of millennials, top end of Gen Z. Okay, carry on, sir. Because yeah, absolutely. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for clarifying. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So when we see that that number one is YouTube, the, the the first thing that comes to mind is well, we need to be on YouTube. We need to be putting content out on YouTube. That's not the case though, because the same audience. So like Gen Z, which is the audience we're trying to reach. If they're spending the majority of their time on YouTube as opposed to Instagram or Snapchat, then uh, you need to understand that, okay, well, what exactly are they doing on that platform and where do we fit in with that? So what is actually happening on YouTube is people are using YouTube as the new television. It's the new movie theater. That's where almost all of the video by Gen Z is consumed. So instead of, you know, actually making a YouTube account or something like that, this study I'm looking at right now has the top social media platforms listed in popularity among Gen Z. And Gen Z, we're referring to the entire Generation Z, as well as the lower side of millennials, those that are still in college, whether they be junior, seniors or grad students. So the the top four uh, listed in order of popularity are number one, YouTube, number two, Instagram, number three, Snapchat, and number four, Facebook. So in seeing that, you might think that, okay, well, in, YouTube is number one. So that means that we need, need to, to focus on YouTube. Of our, just post videos. Yeah, right. No, that's not the case. Um, and <laughs> the thing that needs to be understood here is in order to actually connect with this audience, you have to understand what are they doing on each platform and in what context are you going to connect with them? So, YouTube, for example, YouTube is the new television. YouTube is, is, where, the, is where the majority of these, these kids are going to, to take or to 
consume entertainment is to, to I watch. I just want to like, point out that you just said these kids and you're one of those kids. I just want to point that out. You can continue. Absolutely. On. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. But like YouTube is just where everybody goes to be entertained. It's, it's where people go to watch funny cat videos or watch, you know, makeup pirated TV shows, just, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess if that's your thing, sure. Um, Shut up. <laughs> so as, as a student housing property or as a brand, typically there's not much space for you to start a YouTube channel and then make videos because students going onto YouTube to consume entertaining content don't want to watch a video about an apartment building. So um, I have a good friend of mine who owns a company called Made and Network, and they essentially do a very similar thing to what Swarm does, but they focus on uh, YouTube influencers. So one thing that, that they make a huge emphasis on with brands that are, are trying to get into YouTube and create a YouTube strategy is that the way you create a YouTube strategy as a brand that isn't inherently interesting, like let's say Lamborghini, it, let's say you sell like pencils or something like that. So it, as a brand that sells pencils, you want to create a YouTube strategy. Well, it may not make sense for you to start a channel and start creating videos. What does make sense though, is to connect with the influencers on YouTube that have the audience that you're trying to reach. And then you just pay them to share whatever you're selling with that brand. So that then, like we were talking about earlier, you become a part of that audience's world. You're interacting with them through people that they already admire and that, that they already follow. So I think the main thing to understand here is that, yes, these are the top four as far as popularity goes, but in order to actually reach this audience of students in an effective way, you have to understand in what context are they getting onto this platform and consuming content? Are they doing it to be entertained? Are they doing it to see what their friends are talking about? Are they doing it to just vent about their drama? Like, what is it that they're actually doing? And then where can you fit in to become part of that sphere? I was so perfectly put. I literally don't even have anything to add. Just oh, a round you. of applause. Like it was, it's perfect. Cool. Uh, and I do, I actually want to reiterate it though which is YouTube is number one. That doesn't mean go run out and create a YouTube channel and have all of your on-site leasing team make a bunch of videos unless they're really awesome or funny. But even if you do, unfortunately, it's not like you're going to get, you know, 30,000 subscribers or even 100 subscribers. Nobody's done that yet. I honestly don't foresee that changing. Somebody is more than welcome to prove me wrong. Always, always more than happy to be proven wrong when it comes to that stuff. So um, just to make sure that you're, you're looking to get engaged in the exact same manner that we're basically talking about in all of these other ways. So it was beautiful. So really, all right, let's change gears because I think that do we, I mean, I think that that kind of makes it clear. So what social media matters, obviously, you know, we have YouTube as number one, we have Instagram, which is number two, everybody should have an Instagram account. I feel like we've kind of covered what content should look like. And, you know, Snapchat isn't really going to be any different. It's, you know, again, somebody's not going to just keep clicking on your story. If all you're doing is showing your property or, you know, showing your amenities, it's, you got to figure out a way to be interesting. You have to figure out a way to be genuine. You have to figure out a way to be funny, whatever the case may be and works for your market. And then finally Facebook, which I wish would just crumple up and go away then, you know, doing the same thing there. And I think, I mean, honestly, I don't think that much more needs to be say or needs to be said about which social media matters. Do you, did I leave anything out? Uh, no, I do want to just quickly include a couple take, like a couple actionable takeaways that oh, somebody yes, could use do for that. Yes, please. Yeah. So for Snapchat specifically, there's, cause Snapchat is just like a, 
a blank canvas that you can do whatever you want on. And I really like it as opposed to, let's say, like Instagram because of the way people interact on there. And it's I, I don't know, it just feels a lot more personal to me as as far as like seeing other students use the platform than it does. Instagram, Instagram seems to be more. I don't know. I don't know how to put it exactly. It's like they're just like creating a, a brand around themselves and they're trying to make themselves look super cool. Whereas on Snapchat, it's just super personal and laid back and very um, interconnected. So I think that a couple things that you can do on Snapchat to really engage students is, well, one is obviously geo filters. And I'm not talking just like a geo filter that has your properties logo. That's not exciting. <laughs> if you somehow incorporate some sort of current event or some mascot or something interesting that people actually can can, can recognize and, and want to talk about into that that geo filter along with your brand or if you create a geo filter for some sort of event that you're hosting there's a lot of ways you can do that those are great ways to to actually engage students in um without actually having to like talk to them or, or go out and and target them it's just very passive in the way that it's done so uh, that's definitely one thing you can do I'm actually really glad that you brought up Snapchat and, and that you interjected that. I know that you have one more thing, but I think that that's one of the issues with Snapchat is that nobody is quite sure on how to how to utilize it to engage with their market. And I think that was that was all really great content. And I always appreciate giving takeaways as opposed to just sit here and listen to us yammer about stuff. And really, now you have to come up with all the ideas. So thank you for that. What was your what was the second thing? So the second one is a strategy that's been used in a lot of different industries for a long time now, but I haven't seen it used in student housing yet. And I think it's an incredible way to engage an audience. And that's just to do Snapchat takeovers. So where essentially you send your login to a student who has a huge audience of other students, and then they basically take over your Snapchat account and they post all sorts of things on your account so that and then what that does is that they advertise to their existing audience on their personal account that they will be taking over your account so that then when they do actually take over your account, all, a lot of their audience that's already engaged with them will come over to your account now to consume that same content from that same person. So I think that's, Please, that's a really great God, way. Somebody do this so that I and tell me before you do it so I can follow it and see how this works out. And before you panic and start thinking in terms of protecting the brand, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of workarounds with that. There are documents that can be signed. There are restrictions that can be set. And, you know, all of that, it can all be legally binding. You're still taking a slight risk, let's be honest, even if they sign something. But somebody please do this and then tell me about it so I can follow it because I love everything that you're saying right now. Yeah, I, th I think it's just a great way to engage other people's audiences with your brand in that they're actually just engaging with people that they were already engaging with just on your account. So I think it's it's one of the best ways that you can utilize Snapchat to engage students. And that's just specific to Snapchat. I mean, you can do that with Instagram as well, if that's what you choose to do. There's um, a lot of similar strategies you can utilize on, on many different platforms, too. I love it. All right. Final subject. Are you ready? Let's see how quickly we can go through this one, because I have no idea how long this is. And let's do it. <laughs> All right. Super fast round. Okay, so how the proper use of social media can save you money. You and I have this conversation. That was actually one of the things that motivated us to kind of move in this direction and for me to shove you in this direction, which is proper use, saving you money. Any thoughts on that? Or do I need to take it and talk really, really quickly? Let me know. I'm going to let you talk real quick because there's one story I do want to tell, but I want you to get through all your points first and then I'll tell my story. 
Okay. So one of the things that I've, whenever I've talked about Swarm up to this point, one of the main points that I've brought up is that unfortunately, there is a lot of untrackable marketing that we have in our industry as a whole. We all know that it's true. We spend anywhere from $8,000 to $40,000 on promo gear. That one is, you know, we feel like it's so necessary. It's crucial. We have to do it to get the brand out there. I don't disagree to a certain degree. I just finished making a marketing budget for a client. I do, even though I'm about to say all this, I do still have a budget in there specifically for promo year, for housing fairs, et cetera. So I don't disagree with having it. However, I do feel that we need to scale back on it. And I think that that money can then be utilized. It can be transferred into being your new line item budget, or, you know, just it's being used for social media marketing and pushing it into that. Because like, if, if it somehow has not become clear, this entire, the whole college or student market that we are chasing after so desperately that we are trying to engage with, they are not necessarily engaging the way that they were. They are not going to just take your koozie home and then go sign a lease. They are not going to take your flyer and then suddenly be excited about your special. And I'm not saying that stuff isn't it. I'm saying that you need to find another focus. And I do think that companies like Swarm, because obviously there are a lot of companies out there, I recognize that. I don't think any of them are run by a student who has, you know, the experience in an actual market and went through and did all of it themselves and therefore can relate directly to the market. But having a company like Swarm, an influencer company that can connect with the social media influencers on campus and pour some money into that and get directly in front of your students and get your students giving the other students word of mouth. Can we see how many times I can say student in just one run, long run on <laughs> sentence? So <laughs> we trust each other. We want to hear things from our friends, from people we admire, people we want to be, people that we're excited about, people we think are cute. These are the people that we're following. These are our influencers. So put them on there, get your brand in front of these people, and that gets it in front of everybody else and put your money in front of this product. Um, and that's that's everything that I want to say about that. Your turn, go. Yeah. So all that being said, I think that the same concept is very applicable to student housing in the way that a brand should not should not be selling, 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 selling. They shouldn't just put all their energy into pushing out all their deals and discounts and promotions to the world because that doesn't build a community. That is just a shotgun approach to actually connecting with these individuals. Whereas if you took that same amount of energy and money and spent that money. on... <laughs> Or yeah, or far less money and invested that into building a community and building a culture around your brand that people actually connect with and want to talk about so that these community members that you're building, whether they're residents or not, will basically be advocates for, for your property when they have a friend who mentions to them over dinner or something that they're they're looking to get an apartment. The first property that they will recommend to that person, who by the way, they're more than they're more likely to, to actually live there because a friend is recommending it. The first property that they're gonna think to recommend is the one that hosts these awesome events that they go to on, you know, every weekend or every quarter or something like that. So I think that the main takeaway here is that it's more important to have a community that will do the actual advertising for you than it is to take that all upon yourself. And instead of, I, I guess basically what I'm saying is it's much easier to have a community of people who tell their friends about you rather than you tell all of the people and all their friends yourself. 
I think that's the main thing I'm trying to say. No, yeah, it was perfect because you're it carries more weight. But additionally, I have it's it's interesting because I want to point out two things about that. The first one is that as as an industry, I think we really focus on our corporate culture. We focus on, you know, are we fun? Are we are we humble? Are we great? Are we a million things? And we all have these things that we focus on. And some are really, really incredible at it. Obviously, I have one very specific one in mind, but, you know, every we have we have such a strong focus on that. But what is your actual community's culture? And and it's not just it's one of the things that I was thinking about when you were talking about that along that is, is your culture the the same? And this brings us back to the same kind of generic. And are you offering the exact same thing as the other person down the street, but at a different rate or whatever, just like with your twist on it. And then, you know, and then you're basically taking a product that's kind of been stamped. It's, it's very similar to somebody else. And then you're pushing it out and trying to convince a million people why they should do it. And I think that that's really what we're talking about. And it's, I think it's perfectly put because I think that it all comes down to, again, knowing your market, know your demographic, know your residents, and then cater everything that you do around it. It's smart marketing, it's strategic marketing, it saves you a bunch of money and create that community culture that is Instagram worthy, that is Snapchat worthy, that somebody's going to put it on their stories. Instead of having 30 events per month that are focused around food days, then maybe have one event per, I don't even kind of don't want to share this because now I feel like it's my idea dang it, have like one event per quarter that's really epic, you know, that is that is worthy to be bragged about on social media. And that makes you different. That's your differentiator. So so can we just can we just like go back? Like, can we focus on being different, being weird, stepping outside of the norm, being fresh, being cool, being strategic, being smart? That's of all of these episodes. That's what I want our focuses to be. Stop doing what everybody else is doing. It's not working anymore. We know that. And you know what? If you have all of the money in the world, then yes, you don't have to be strategic going into your market. You don't have to focus on the analysis. You don't have to worry about whether or not your social media strategy is phenomenal or great. But if you don't want to just throw all of that money away, I would recommend doing those things. I would recommend everything that it is that we're doing and give your teams to anyone, you know, above the teams that are in charge of this stuff, give your teams the time to figure out what the smart strategic you know, analytical, different, weird, great way to do this actually is because it isn't as simple as telling them you need to be strategic. You need to be smart. I want to save money. That's, that's not how this is done. This requires a huge amount of thoughts and planning in order to say, okay, we're going to completely shift how we're doing this. So with that being said, I think that that, honestly, I think that wraps it up. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. Okay. Well, well said. Thank you. So everybody, thank you for joining us today. Michael, thank you for taking up a huge chunk of your life and giving it to me uh, for the nine billionth time in the last six months. <laughs> uh, for anybody out there, definitely take a look at uh, Michael's new company. I can't stop raving about it. I'm excited about it. No, he did not sponsor this episode. This is just me being passionate about it. So definitely check it out. It is getswarm.co. Take a look at it. Contact Michael, contact myself. I'm more than happy to you know help walk you through it. We can have a call, whatever the case may be. But now is the time before we're going into the market to get a strong focus on your social media plan and get crazy with it. Get interesting. Be the new Wendy's. Be the one that we all talk about at the next conference about how you know, this is the social media campaign that everybody paid attention to 
be that person. Um, so hopefully this helped to get your brain going wild and you were inspired or, and also hopefully I didn't annoy you too much and <laughs> you'll listen to the next one and that's it. Thank you guys. And we will talk to you again soon. Bye. So Greta, again, I, this is my favorite episode. Yay. I'm not ever going to get mad at compliments like that. Well, and how lucky are we to, to, you know, run across Michael, uh, you know, as you and I were both doing some work in Knoxville and, and you came across him. I've sat down with him and, and spoke with him about, you know, what he's doing and just kind of his thoughts. And the guy's just, I, look, I've got four kids. If one of them turn out to be as not, I, I don't want to call him smart. There's not... I mean, yeah, he, he's very smart, but more importantly than that, he's he is thoughtful and mm-hmm. he is self-aware. Yeah. Oh, my and, gosh. Yes. Uh, you know, it's That's like perfect, I said, if, if one of my kids <laughs> grows up to be that way, I, you know, I, I'm set for retirement. <laughs> he is. He is. He's the coolest. He's my favorite. I really honestly adore him a lot. And I can't ever, you know, say enough good things about him, you know, when given the opportunity. I'm sure if he's listening to this right now, he's probably just like, oh, my God. It's like I'm a gushing older sister or something. I'm just like, this is so great. You just have no idea. He's my favorite. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's valid. And that was one of the really the main reason why I wanted him on this episode. To me, it didn't make sense to have anybody other than him, you know, for a lot of reasons we've spent an enormous, ridiculous amount of time on the phone, in person, et cetera, talking about this subject, you know, as it, because obviously he's created a, a company, a product and service that specifically assists, you know, companies with their social media. And so really understanding student housing, how it works, it's obviously a topic that we're discussing on a regular basis and how exactly, you know, people need it and why. And so it just, like I said, it didn't make any sense to not have him on it because this, what you're listening to is a conversation that we really have regularly. So it was very easy for us to just jump right into it. But, you know, so, with all of that aside, go ahead, because I know that you had some key points that you definitely wanted to make sure that we honed in on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, let, let's let's draw out some some takeaways. You know, the, the recurring theme here is make entertain, you know, make it entertaining. You had a perfect analogy that I want to I want us to talk about because I feel like it really just beautifully kind of it encapsulates everything in regards to social media. And I think puts it in terms that makes it potentially a lot easier for people to understand why it is that maybe the way that we've been doing this doesn't why it doesn't work so well and so i'm gonna let you let you say that I, I, well, and i'll probably I interrupt because it's me yeah 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 i've <laughs> always been uh, i've always been people have always said my analogies were <laughs> were great and made them have always made them think of things a little bit differently but yeah nothing nothing and that analogy is social media today is what you know tv was when it first came out um, you know, everybody's trying to get their arm around it and understand, you know, what's out there. And if, you know, envision that, you know, things changed with, you know, if the government relaxed how the airwaves were worked and, and some things changed with physics and everybody, every business had their own, you know, TV channel, um, uh, you know, that was over the air. It, no one would tune in if it was just just you promoting your business all day and selling whatever kind of products that you've got. Now, obviously QVC may be, 
Yeah. But they're selling a- different products from different people because I already thought about that. What it's really like <laughs> and what it is that they're doing is almost like if you had a channel where, and it's funny because all I keep thinking about right now is the, uh, if you read Ready Player One, because that's literally something that the players do is they have like their own channel and it's broadcast out. So imagine that channel that is just playing the exact same infomercial over and over again. It's not QVC or whatever. It is not different products. It is the one same, we are talking about Slap Chop, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Slap Chop. That's what we're doing. I mean, it's- Nobody, you would go crazy. Nobody's gonna tune into that, man. It's it's like the, you know, you check into a a hotel or resort and you've got the same thing playing over and over again on the hotel channel which amazes me because some of them do it right and they talk about what's happening in the in the community and, and things that are relevant for it's that specific week but then i've also seen where it's like a damn infomercial on where people are well not just on a loop but they're actually trying to to sell people to go there it's like Shit, I'm already here. I'm already like, here. I don't, you sold me. <laughs> and I feel like that's a lot of, of what you know. We're, what communities are doing with social media today? It's like yes. just, just you know. I, I know people give us some content. Give us, give us a break with. Give us some yeah. sitcoms or some news or something. But for the love of God, think of your social media, each individual one, like your own personal channel. Break the commercials up with TV shows. <laughs> Stop just showing commercials. Well, and even better yet, go out and find someone that's got an entertaining, that's got entertaining content and say, hey, is there a way that I can, you know, that I can use your influence or, or pay you for your influence to talk about the things that are happening in our property? Yes. Um, and, and that's what no one is getting. Like it, it's it's the same anyway. We've beat this horse to death. Well, but. it's really. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna back up to literally what we said earlier, which was it's the way that we need to look at it is our property channel is more like PBS. It's public broadcasting. We don't get the numbers that you know primetime NBC does. So what you need to do is make sure that your content that is on PBS is good. It's great. It's still entertaining. It or entertaining. It's filled with things that people care about. But then getting your your product in the background of a Friends episode, and so. The Friends episode on, you know, primetime NBC, we're going to say that, you know, those are your influencers. That's your audience. So you, you know, or if it's your audience as SVU, I don't know, like, I don't know your people. But the thing is, is that you need to get your product to be to be on a different channel and by different people that are already actually that your your audience or demographic is already tuning in to see and let them take care of the selling for you. You don't need to be having, like we said, just constant commercials going on for your product. Let someone else do that and then lead them back to your beautiful content that people want to engage with. So obviously make entertaining. I think there's a lot of things that need to be you know discussed about that. But as you guys mentioned, take it back to, hey, what's kind of the subculture of, of our community? You know, if we have we you know received a lot of, you know, does our population make up a lot of engineer students because we're really close to the engineering student? Well, great. Find an influencer that, you know, is well, a make content that is a little bit more re- entertaining content. That's a, little, that's a little bit more relevant to an engineering student. So that's kind of takeaway number one, right? 
Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about finding those influencers and working with them. First of all, I think quality over quantity. Um, a lot of people put a lot of focus on, hey, we want to, and, and there have been some groups out there that have, have really engaged with influencers to say, hey, you know, can you stop by our property to our pool party and do this or that or whatever? And, you know, the the qualifier for that seems to be, well, how many, you know, how many followers do they have? That really doesn't matter. We're talking about influencers. You know, if you've got an if you, if you've got a follower or a following base of you know twenty or thirty people, but it is very obvious that you influence those people, you are an influencer. Um, if if you're getting them to make a you know make a decision about you know how they're spending their money, what they're doing with their time, that is an influencer, and so. That's really what you need to hone in on. Not so much someone that's got, you know, 50,000 subscribers because chances are those were all paid for anyway. Well, it's not, you know, it's not just that. And it's, it's funny because Michael and I ended up having this conversation, which one, you know, he, this is a subject he's very passionate about, but we've had this conversation with someone else and it was the feedback that came back was, um, you know, that there was, there was an ad agency that was offering, you know, a higher number, like you said, 50,000 influencers or followers or whatever the case may be. And, kind of the way that Michael and I discussed this is that first off, just like you said, you need to figure out, you need to do your market research. You need to know who your audience is, who your demographic is, who are the students that are actually going to live at your community for all of the given reasons, right? And you do need to go after those people. And with Swarm, that's exactly what Michael does. He is able to target all of those people. And if it's, you know, however, whatever demographic it is, he can target them. And if you need to do it because you're not going to hire a company like that, you are fully capable of finding those people as well. But it really also depends on your strategy. So if you are coming into a market, say it's a new development, maybe you do need one influencer or two influencers max that, you know, do have a large number of followers. And then you want to be able to hone in on your actual demographic and market. That's all fine. You know, if you want to actually get brand recognition and then hone in, that makes sense. But like you said, it's something to consider. If somebody has that many followers, how many of those are actually students? Because that's something that we look at. Because if the university only has 20,000 students in the whole entire thing and your person has 50,000 people, really how many of those are actually students? What are you paying for? Not to mention the fact that that person's going to cost you a lot more to be an influencer for your property. If you think you're the first company to ever reach out to them and ask them to post something, you're wrong. This is something that everybody's doing right now. So it is really about quality. It's not about quantity. And there is no easy answer to this. And I think that's what everybody's looking for. I just need an, an influencer who has this many followers and they're going to reach it and they're going to be Greek and it's going to be this. And it's like, stop, be smart, have a strategy, break it down and figure out what exactly makes sense for what exactly it is you're trying to accomplish and make sure that you do have quality people that are following those quote unquote influencers, because that's what's actually going to matter ultimately. Yeah. So, so once you, once you identify uh, the, you know, what makes what makes up your community, um, what do you want to make up your community as far as that, um, I hate to say demographic because it's not really demographic, but, you know, a subset of a, of a student community, you know, what kind of identity is that? What kind of identity do you want to be intentional about having? So, so now let's, let's talk about, you know, how do we find them? Um, you know, obviously swarm is, is great. I mean, that's what, that's what 
the business model for Swarm is, is, is helping businesses find these influencers on, on college campuses and, and, and making that connection. But let's pretend for a minute that you don't have Swarm or, or a similar type of company that is focused on your market or that you know you don't have the budget to do, to do that. How can you as a property manager identify these? And I simply go back to do what you're supposed to be doing, which is creating community and being able. And and part of that is knowing your residents and having conversations about what's going on in their life. You'll be able to start picking up really soon, you know, because everybody's got everybody's got an Instagram account. It's it's really finding out, okay, who at our who at our community or potential residents to our community you know, who, who best reflects that? So I will say that, you know, you do need to be prepared that it isn't actually an easy task. And, you know, even if you do have a great sense of community, if you're a lot of your team members really will have a phenomenal relationship with a lot of residents, it just inevitably happens when we work in an office, we become friends with residents, we know their lives. So that is a great place to start. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be simple. Finding influencers is not simple. And I can't stress that enough. You know, especially if you're a new development, you're coming into the market. There's, you know, there is a reason why people pay other companies to do this work because it is going, it's a whole project. So just be very realistic with those expectations. It's not a matter of just on a, your next marketing call, getting on with your onsite team and being like, hey, I need you guys to find some influencers because trust me, I've literally done that and it is not that simple. So I'm telling you from experience, but it is a big project. Be prepared for that. Allow for time and step up and help because it's not simple. So, so as we're finding those, I mean, what suggestions would you have for uh, kind of a, uh, I don't want to call it, I don't want to formalize it and call it a checklist, but kind what are some key things, what are some key things that, that you, that you would say, Hey, make sure, you know, oh, yeah. these I mean, people are doing ABC. Yeah. It's, I mean, basically really you would just say, you know, three things because it's going to depend on a lot of stuff, but really first and foremost, go through all of their posts. If you do start to identify people or you will, you know, it's just once you get there, go through all of their posts and first off, make sure that it's in line with your brand and your property and that they kind of give that vibe and be very aware of the fact that you will have to make it clear in no uncertain terms to this, you know, whomever it is that you choose to work with, that these are the posting guidelines. But with that being said, just look through their posts. Is it filled with, you you know, drunken out or drunken nights and bong rips, like that's probably not what you want to have associated with your property. So go through the post first and make sure that it's it makes sense. Um, and then also look at post frequency. You know, don't just say, oh, it looks like they have 23 posts that they've done on their Insta account. You need to look to see how often it was that they actually posted. Go back for the last, you know, two weeks, two months and see how often that was happening. And then click on each one of those individual posts and see the level of engagement that their audience has. You know, if you find somebody that has 200 followers, which don't scoff at that because of if it's 200 and those are their closest friends and those close friends do listen to their restaurant recommendations or where to go, you know, at the greatest bar to go to or the good trivia night. At, remember, there's value in that to every single one of those people. So if they have, you know, 200 followers, are they getting anywhere from, you know, 30 to 60 likes? Do they have at least 30 to 60 people of those number of followers that are consistently kind of engaging with their their posts? And that's those are really the things that you want to look for, that it's in line with the brand, the post frequency and the number of engagement with each one of their individual posts. 
I would say, okay, so um, posting on, on a regular basis and making sure that, that, you know, they have, they fit with the brand and that kind of thing. You, you've also introduced me to a new word that, or a new phrase. And, and I want to, I think, anyway, <laughs> you introduced me to, you introduced me to a new, to new phrase that I want to make sure everybody gets clarification on, but Insta worthy. Yes. You want to make sure your influencers are Insta worthy. Um, not just your, not just your influencers either. It's really is your property. Is their actual Instagram? Is it Insta worthy? Are your pictures Insta worthy? And that's where I think that a lot of the disconnect has occurred. Where I said that we basically took Facebook and then just realized it on Instagram. That's kind of where our problem is. And so when we talk about Insta worthy, there's a couple of things that that if you are unsure of how to improve your Insta page and you want to take my advice, here's what I say. So first off, we all follow influencers on our Instagram. And Wes, you and I talked about this earlier. I now have to embarrassingly list off the things that I follow um, to give examples of this. And really what you need to do, I will list them off. Just give me a second. But <laughs> uh, what you need to do to understand what, what your posts, what your channel, what, what your Instagram should be looking like, go and look at your own Instagram influencers page, the people you follow that make you laugh, that are interesting, that you have your own, on your own Instagram and see what actually makes them Insta-worthy, that you actually follow them and are entertained by their content on a regular basis. So if you go through their posts, first and foremost, you're going to find that they don't sell to you on every single post. That's key. So look to see, you know, if you look at three or four different ones, how often are they selling on the posts and then how often are they entertaining? These are key indicators that you need to be taking away and you need to be incorporating into your Instagram. And then additionally, their stories. So when you're watching their stories, what are they doing? Is it between, you know, six bits and 16 bits, or in some cases, 60 bits on that Instagram story? How often in there are they again selling and how are they doing it? We have all of the information out there available to us. We have really the masters of Instagram that we can publicly follow, look at their account and figure out what it is that they're doing right that gets them 10 million followers. And, you know, so... For me, the the biggest influencers that I follow on my Instagram, because I am one of those people that is on Instagram all the time, um, is Mouthy Merch, Betches, Eliza, who is hilarious. No, wait a uh, minute. Insta Merch. So first of all, this is this is this is going to back up and like we're fully going to have to like dissect this because it's bad enough that I'm literally having to tell people this information about myself. I feel like it's so revealing. No, exactly. I mean, and uh, you know, I kind of wanted to, to, to just change the pace up here a little bit because oh my god, we're getting some real insight into the Greta's <laughs> life here. Um, and, and I'm not sure one of those that you said, I'm not sure if I need to bleep out when I go back to edit this or Betches. I mean, do we bleep? Do we, do you want me to test that theory? Bullshit. You don't bleep. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like bitches. It's, it's no, it's betches with an E. So it's B E T C H E S it's betches. It's betches media. They have multiple channels. They have, you know, they do, um, online stories, et cetera. And it's one of my favorites. There's also, um, they have, they, whatever, they have multiple Instagrams that I follow because it's funny and I like to laugh. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and this, and this goes back to the entertaining part. I mean, we didn't, we didn't really kind of list out any specific examples. Um, but I think those are probably some, some great examples. And, you know, on, on the kind of the other side of the room, even though there's not a lot of years that separate you and I, Greta, 
There, there is definitely Sometimes we a, literally couldn't be more different on like every level. I'm fully aware. There's there's literally a, a generational gap that, that happens between gap. us. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, but on the other side of, of life where, you know, I'm uh, married, four kids and completely living, you know, that season of life. And, um, you know, when I when I go to to my social feeds, I want to be entertained. And one of those you know, that I, I could play without, um, you know, having to turn down the volume so that <laughs> my kids don't hear it, is, is a comedian, uh, a Christian comedian, John Christ. And I mean, his stuff is freaking hilarious. And it's one of those things I, I mentioned to my wife or found myself mentioning to my wife when there was no pitch that, that John was doing in a, in a recent um, uh, Instagram story, but he made reference to something being good, something being delicious. And I was like, I've got to go eat that like right now. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> so yeah, that, that's the type of, you know, there's some, so there's some examples there that, um, you, uh, you can kind of use for, um, to go in and monitor and get a good idea. So yes. But, Anything else with InstaWorthy? Because you did mention yes. something else about permission. So, yes, I did. And so when we say, so obviously that's going to give you an idea of how to create your page, how to deliver a great channel about your property, how to properly break up commercial breaks, right? But then additionally, one of the things that kills me, and I did, I mentioned previously about a client that I had, and this is what I'm talking about when I say Instaworthy. It's, again, look at those photos. The majority, I guarantee you, the majority of your on-site team know exactly what I'm talking about. First off, let's just talk about the pictures you post. There should not be just one or two people in them. They should not just be basic. They shouldn't. And I don't mean basic like that. I mean, basic, like boring. And really what it is, is that we're not taking pictures that look like Instagram pictures. They're not, they don't have great backdrops. There's not a bunch of people in them. Does everybody feel kind of beautiful in it? And I know this seems kind of extra and ridiculous, but really Imagine that you're, you know, there's a bunch of people out at your pool and you walk out and you're like, hey, you know, let's all take a picture. Everybody crowds in and imagine that it's the perfect backdrop. The sun hits it just lovely. You have a lovely little filter on and everybody loves the picture themselves, right? You flip the phone around, you show it to all of the residents and at least six people now want to be tagged because they love the way they look in the picture. Because the reality is about Instagram and we all see the memes about it on a regular basis is that Instagram is where your beautiful pictures are. So those people will now be very happy to let you tag them in that photo because they want that photo to be on their page. They even repost that photo because they like the way that they look so much. So when I'm talking about Instaworthy, I am saying, take a look at your pictures. Are they sad? Are they just, would you post them on a website and be like, oh, this is a great picture that, I mean, cause that's a great thing about Instagram. These were supposed to be this was supposed to be an outlet for photography, for girls to feel like a model every now and then for, you know, whatever the case may be, like that's really what Instagram was about was beautiful pictures. Are you posting beautiful pictures or are they funny? Are they filled? Are they interesting? Are they lovely? What are, are they Insta worthy? And then additionally, your graphics, 
do they fall in line with what's actually trending right now? You know, so when you're posting, come down and take a tour, whatever they can, you know, our room rates are starting out. We only have four bedrooms left. Are those graphics Insta worthy? And I'm really getting tired of hearing myself say Insta worthy. So if you're with me on that, I apologize. I swear I'm going to try to make that be the last time. But all of those graphics, again, you need to look at them with that same sharp eye. Are the pictures and graphics, are they the equivalent of those, those influencers that you just reviewed and you looked through? You know, is it something you would see on like James Charles? is Instagram. And if you don't know who that is, I can't help you out right now. But it's the big influencers. If you're looking at their stuff, are they pictures that are equivalent to that? And actually, I will say this. I'm going to give a shout out to uh, one of the social media marketing people at Cardinal who has an Instagram. Um, and on Instagram, her name is Tippy Jane. And she has her own website. She sells merchandise. She is an influencer. And if you went through that, so it's T-I-P-P-Y Jane. Uh, if you're looking through there, is this a picture that she would post on there? It's a perfect example of that. She is selling things. She is giving, you know, out information on how people can, you know, buy the clothes that she's wearing. And there's a whole reason behind that. And it makes sense and is adorable. But that's what you're looking for. Are they beautiful pictures? Do your graphics work or are they kind of chintzy? Does it look like somebody's mom made them inside a publisher and printed them out on an inkjet printer? These are the questions. And that's the 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 phrase that I don't want to say again. That's what all of that means. And now I I feel like I talk too much and I don't want to hear it anymore. So I'm going to pass the ball back. Yeah, I kinda, <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel um, I kind of feel a little intimidated <laughs> about managing uh, my, my own personal Instagram at this point because uh, you don't even <laughs> post anything on Instagram. Give me a break. I stopped following you because you don't even post anything on there. I was like, you're not count towards my following count. <laughs> Yeah, I did that. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. On my personal Instagram account, you're going to find nothing but literally nothing. You find crickets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it, yeah. I, I mean, there may be ten <laughs> pictures posted on my personal account um, <clears throat> because my wife does such of a better job. I'll just go and <laughs> check hers out. Um, and then, you know, hopefully, I'm doing a, a good job with the student housing insight Instagram account. Um, most of that stuff is for me and, and I I've enjoyed it. I really have enjoyed it. Um, uh, and, and yeah, but everything that you're saying is, is, you know, also something that I have to consider when, when posting for that as well. So, um, anything else? No, that was everything. And I, I can't talk anymore. I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so Greta, you know, I think we can probably end it there. This has been, um, you know, an incredible, uh, interview and it, you know, it actually required an incredible intro and outro. And I hope we've done a good job of that. So any, uh, any other parting thoughts? Um, well, yes, actually, it's the super exciting, mega awesome special thing that I send to stay tuned for at the very end so that you could find out what it is that we were offering. Along that same line, big thanks to uh, AIM Cruises for sponsoring this episode and all of Greta's episodes this summer um, that are covering our marketing and leasing topics. Um, if you haven't checked them out, make sure that you do so and stay tuned for the next announcement. everyone big news aim cruise incentives will be giving a cruise certificate to one of our lucky listeners head over to studenthousinginsight.com forward slash aim cruise that's a-i-m cruise and enter to win a free cruise for two to the bahamas the caribbean or mexico compliments of aim cruise incentives <laughs> <laughs>